Welcome back to A Twist of Faith. As always, I'm your host, Alex Parkview. This week, we're getting back into Dante after my deviation last week to discuss my dad and all that. If you haven't listened to that episode and you want to get to know a little bit of me on the personal level, check that one out. Uh, we're going to pick up on Dante on Cantos 10 and 11 today because they both cover Circle 6 and the Heretics more in-depth than uh, Canto 9 did. Canto 9 was just them getting into Dis and into Circle 6 where they were able to observe it but not really explore it. And I just want to, uh, you all know by now, if you've listened, this month is a horrible month for me. But I just want to take a second and dedicate this episode to my sister, Jacinta. May she rest in peace. She was all about the nerd flags and letting them fly in life and just doing what she did. Didn't give a fuck what anybody thought about her. She lived her life the way that she wanted to live it and always made her happy. And she shone like the brightest light in the sky. She was just a happy, positive person. And she fell victim to mental health issues and a few things. But she was super supportive of the nerd flags, as I called them, let them fly. So I'm dedicating this episode to her. And there's actually a tie-in later. Like, I don't generally plan my tie-ins, but as I was doing the show notes, there's something that happens in Circle 6, and it instantly made me think of her. So there's going to be a tie-in to my sister, Jacinta. This one's for you, sis. I love you. I miss you. I wish you were still here with us, but... This episode's for you. When we last left Dante and Virgil, they had just entered Circle Six in the vast countryside with all the flaming tombs and the souls that were being forever tormented by fire, the souls of the heretics. They were able to observe this upon entry, but they didn't really begin their journey through the circle at that point. So in Cantos 10 and 11, they begin their journey proper through the sixth circle, which you may recall is the home to the heretics. Along the way, Dante is called out to by a great war chief of the Tuscan Ghibellines, Farinata Degli Uberti. He is so majestic in appearance and overbearingly powerful looking that he seems to diminish hell itself. Like, you know Dante in the way he goes with his imagery and his symbolism and his descriptions of things. For him to give this guy that much power, even in his torturous punishment for eternity, that he diminishes hell its very self like that's some powerful imagery he's saying this guy is just that whatever he's that he shines now uberti was a political enemy of dante's so that to begin a spirited argument going back and forth about their beliefs and the political ideologies at the time the church versus the non-church remember uberti is a heretic because he's in circle six so obviously he's different from dante in that regard the argument, however, does get cut short due to an interruption by the shade of Cavalcante de Cavalcanti, father of Guido Cavalcante, the contemporary poet. The shade begins to question why Guido is not on the journey. Like, why you? Why Virgil? Why don't you have my boy Guido? Why can't he be here coming through so I can see my child? Why are you not using his wisdom to guide you? And Dante replies, as only Dante can in that very stoic Dante's manner, he says that he is only on the journey because he has the aid of powers which Guido had not sought. Again, that goes back to Dante and Virgil and asking for help. Like Dante saying, hey, I ask for help. I have support from the heavens. Virgil is my support. And this is typical Dante in the simplistic delivery. I have the aid of powers which Guido has not sought. Simplistic delivery, as well as a mental bitch slap to a rival poet. He's basically saying, 
Your boy didn't have the stones to ask for help. Your boy wanted to do stuff alone. Your boy could never finish this journey. And remember, we just had the heavenly messenger that Dante and Virgil had prayed for to get them into Circle Six through the gates of Dis because they couldn't do it alone. He has those powers, the aid of the heavenly, the divine. But Dante's reply to him is misunderstood, and he thinks that his son has perished, so he just returns, retreats to the flames. He's like, well, fuck, if my boy's dead, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to lay here and burn for eternity, and I don't even care. Fuck this shit. Now, Farinata was there for the whole exchange between Dante and his rival, and he was pretending that he didn't notice it, just kind of hanging out doing his douchebaggy hell guy thing. So he picks up the argument with Dante right where he left off, mid-stroke, not missing a beat. He's like, fuck you, it's about me, I'm more important. He feigns ignorance of the flames in which he is shrouded. He's pretending he doesn't even notice these flames, the fact that his flesh, his non-corporeal flesh is just searing, burning. And then he prophecies of Dante's banishment from Florence, defends his own bullshit Florentine political beliefs, and answers an unspoken question of Dante's. He explains how it is that the damned have foresight of future events. Because Dante was wondering how the fuck, but he didn't ask. He was just wondering how the fuck. So the damned have foresight of these future events, but they have absolutely no knowledge of the present. Because to know of the present would bring them possibly joy, and that can't happen if they're being tortured for eternity in hell. So in a matter of placation, Farinata proceeds to name all the others who share the term tomb. Like, look at my knowledge. I'm a smartass. I know everything. I'm one up in you, Dante. Fuck you. And upon taking his leave, Dante finds himself with a considerable, albeit newfound, respect for his once great enemy. As he prepares to go, he makes it a point to pause long enough to leave word that Guido is in fact alive. And this is that tie-in I was telling you about in the intro. Even though Dante cannot stand these people, he takes the time, goes out of his way on his journey to reassure a father that his son is still in fact alive. He's being tortured enough for the sins he committed in life, but he doesn't want him to have that pain that a parent feels for thinking they've lost a child. So Dante, badass that he is, stops and reassures this fucker. He's like, hey, you took it the wrong way. Your son is still alive. He, he gives him that peace in death, even though he's being tortured in hell. Like, hats off to Dante. He's a better man than I am in that regard. Nobody should ever have to lose a child. It, I dedicated this episode to my sister. My mom, when, she, when my sister passed, I did everything, every single thing I could do to take it all off of her plate because I didn't want her having to deal with anything but processing her own emotions at what she was experiencing. To have her go through and like plan a funeral, a wake, a remembrance ceremony, that was just unfathomable to me. I lost my sister, but my mom, she lost her kid, man. So I did everything I could to take that weight off of her. And I would do it again. It fucking hurt. It fucking stung. But I'd rather I deal with the pain than her. Like I said, it's my sister. I loved her. But my mom, man, she lost her daughter. Her fucking twin. There's no comparison. So that's like a whole new respect for Dante. Given my recent life events. That he would take the time to comfort that parent. And reassure that parent that, hey, your kid is still alive. Like, I hate you, but I don't want you to feel that pain, is what he's basically saying there. So, mad fucking respect for Dante there. Mad respect. 
because having lived through it and seen it, my mom's a fucking superhero. The fact that she didn't eat a bullet after my sister died. Like, how the fuck does she go on every single day knowing that she's got to go on without her daughter, my sister? And I know y'all don't know my sister, my mom's daughter, but God, the world's a darker place without her in it. Even when she was at her worst, she was always just the nerdy, happy, jokey type, like Joker quote, why so serious? Like She was just all about doing things she enjoyed. She lived life, which is another thing I preach on this show all the time, because Dad always told us life is for the living. She took that shit to heart, and she lived her life. She would go to zoos, aquariums, museums, soaking it all in, like how I am with the religious shit. She was with the earthly shit. She was just all about all the knowledge and all the happiness and joy and experience. And she could ramble on for hours about some of the dumbest shit like Star Wars. And it was just so crazy to me that she had that zest for life. That's something I don't even have. That, like I've talked about, yes, I'm happy. I finally fulfilled Dad's wish in my life. I have found that true happiness. But I never had the same zest for life that my sister did. I was envious in a way because she saw stuff that I didn't I've always been more obsessed with the spiritual and what goes on around us and what happens after we die I told y'all in the last episode fucking it's just 13 years it took me to even rebuild my faith in anything after my dad died and it was a long fucking journey and I daily I with this podcast, I still go through and I just try to fucking learn everything that I can. Obviously, we can't know everything in life, but life is for the living. She was about the physical, earthly living. Not saying she was a Satanist in this next comment, but how LaVey was all about enjoy your life without harming others. That part, that was my sister. She was all about it. All about it. So the world is definitely a darker place without her in it. I hope you know that, sis. But back to my main point here. Upon taking his leave, Dante finds himself with a considerable respect for the guy, like I said, and he gives word that Guido is alive. So then we go into Canto 11, which is more of the heretics. Upon reaching the inner edge of the sixth circle, our heroes find a great jumble of rocks, which were the remnants of a once great cliff. This cliff fell, shattered, and fucking landslide bombed into rubble during the great earthquake that shook hell itself when Christ died on the cross. So powerful was the sacrifice that Christ made per Dante that it shook the very foundations and cores of the inferno of hell itself. It, like nothing could stand against that moment of pure, unadulterated love that was shown when Christ died on the cross for us, per Dante in Canto 11. And directly below all of that lies the seventh circle, which reeks with such a morbid putrescence that Dante and Virgil have to cower for shelter until they begin to acclimate to the morbid putrescence of the stank and just bleh of it all. So they're looking down into Circle 7 from Circle 6 because they can see it. Remember, it's kind of like a set of steps, the way it's described. In the circles, you step down from one to the other. Some are guarded, the gates of Dis and some of the creatures of hell, the denizens. But they come across another tomb. And upon the next tomb, Dante finds an inscription on the lid labeling it as the place in hell for Pope Anastasius II. 
end out a little sidebar on the Pope here because this is not the first religious figure we've seen in the Inferno from Dante. Pope Anastasius II is one of only two popes out of the first 50 to not be canonized into sainthood by the church. He was drawn off the path of righteousness by a fellow Christian bishop named Photinus, who was best known for his heretical belief that the incarnation of Christ was not real. So this guy is like a power figure in the church, and he doesn't even believe in the mythology of the religion and says, none of it actually happened, fuck you, it's not real. So, I mean, it boils down to, in this case, the Pope believed this Photinus guy, stepped off the path and started to question the faith, and remember, Dante the Inferno, it's the Catholic belief system. So, he's being heretical, we know heretics go to Circle Six, and it boils down to play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You want to fucking deny Christ's life and Christ's existence? You can fucking burn in hell forever. Like, there's, uh, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Yeah, this guy's going to fucking burn forever. He was the Pope, man. He was the fucking figurehead of the Catholic faith at one time. And here he is rotting in the pit because he was dumb enough to fucking let somebody influence him against what he believed. How many times do I tell you, once you find your path, stay on your path. Don't fucking, like, waver from your path. Hold true to whatever beliefs you do hold, your ideas, your belief system, your comfort things. Like in my own life, it, everything happens for a reason is a keystone of my life. Because if things don't happen for a reason, and I'm not saying, like, what the reason is, but they happen for a reason. Because if they don't happen for a reason, then my life makes zero fucking sense. None. Looking at my life now versus a month ago, it just re-solidifies that belief that I have that everything happens for a reason. Like, you've heard me talk about Lady Parkview by now numerous times. Well, we've been a thing for over six years. And then we fell off. And then the time in between before we found each other again, all of that shit on both of our parts was one of those... Yeah, it sucked. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's nothing I'd love to remember living my life without her. But all the shit that we went through on both sides made us the people we are, who are so much stronger now than we ever could have been in the past, so much more in love with one another, ready to carry on our lives together, and inseparable. Like, I wish a motherfucker would, because they would fucking just drop dead at the site. I said, Zeus himself fears us because Zeus separated the humans into fucking two different parts and his uh, whole end game with that was if they're so busy looking for their other half, because in Greek mythology we're born with two heads, four arms, and four legs, so he's going to make us search out our other halves and we'll be so distracted we won't be able to overthrow him in Greek mythology. Well, guess what? I've got my second head. I've got my second set of arms. I've got my second set of legs. I've got my second heart. And it is all Lady Parkview. So if you ascribe to Greek mythology and the beliefs of Hellenistic polytheism, which is something I'm going to be covering in future, then, yeah, fucking, guess what, Zeus? You fucking suck, because we found each other. We found our other half. Game over for you, fuckboy with the lightning bolts. But this Pope just was not strong enough in his beliefs that they were able to be toyed with. They weren't unwavering in their 
existence. He believed, but he did not believe strongly enough, and he allowed that outside influence to make him stray from his path. So, upon seeing the resting place of Pope Anastasius, they prepare to move on to Circle 7, and somehow, through his powers given by the Heavenly Host, out of nowhere, Virgil just comes up and says, Oh, by the way, Dante, it's about two hours before sunrise of the Holy Saturday. Random little tie-in. I'm Virgil. I'm just magical. Hey, did you know it's a holy day coming up? Cool. All right. Um, yeah, fuck all these flaming fucks. Let's check out Circle 7. It's just so randomly weird. But again, Dante was very heavy in the Catholic faith, so it makes sense to be in there. But it doesn't really tie in with the canto, at least not to me. But it's just one of those his faith showing through his writing kind of things. So I have a special treat for you guys today. When I do my outro, we're going to have Lady Parkview's on-air debut. And uh, she's going to go ahead and talk about a couple things, maybe give you a little tidbits. I might just ask her a question or two. I haven't really figured. This is going to be the stream of consciousness part that I usually do, minus the tie-ins. We're just going to kind of talk and see what happens. But you all get to actually hear Lady Parkview. And I'm going to quote uh, Song 3 by Corey Taylor, Stone Sour, the acoustic version. Says, I've wasted half my life, but I found it all in you. Did I save you? Because I know you saved me too. And she absolutely did. More on that coming up. Alright, so in the body of today's episode, obviously I tied into my sister, because like I said, this episode is dedicated to her memory. Just uh, as promised. And the little tie-in from the end of that part where I talked about Lady Parkview's on-air debut and how she absolutely saved me like I told you in those song lyrics. We're going to bring her on and see what she has to say about the podcast, her thoughts, any of that. Babe, anything you'd like to say to the audience? Um, hi. <laughs> I'm so nervous. Um, I love the podcast. I never even listened to one before yours. And uh, I connect to it on so many levels, obviously. You and I do as well. I have a long, long, long history. Which um, I mentioned earlier. <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> Is there anything that you want to tell people about their life, their beliefs, their ideals, and how that might affect them in ways, stuff that you've picked up from my own using the show as a release? I mean... Is doing what makes you happy, you know, follow your own beliefs. Don't believe in somebody else's, you know, beliefs. It's, don't be a sheep. Don't be a follower. Be what you want. You know, me, higher power, don't know what that is. So it's stuck in the deck. She gave away her beliefs. Not quite. Pay you know, by now that I'm not going to give away my beliefs until they're under a paywall, but she just gave you a little hint to hers. Once I had a million people listening, then maybe I'll get to know what's going on in my brain. But like I told y'all, it took me 13 years to get where I'm at now, and I used to have way different beliefs than the ones I have now. So, since you've touched on the belief in a higher power, and I mentioned in this episode that everything happens for reason is one of the keystones of my own personal faith, what's like a keystone of your beliefs? Honestly, I don't know how to answer that. Is it that belief that everything happens for a reason? Yes, absolutely. Kind of how mine is? Yeah, for sure. And how 
everything that has happened has brought us back to where we are? Well, there's, there can't be, um, so, there's gotta be something out there for, for this to, there's gotta be something, you know, bigger, stronger, more powerful than us out there. Look, look at our circumstances and the way that we came back together after so many years. Um, I definitely feel that there was another force at work in that situation. And, and we've had, you know, look at all the signs since we've been back together, you know? Yeah, I didn't tell the people about any of the signs. <laughs> There's been so many, too many to count. <laughs> Lady Parkview is being shy and little Bubba Parkview, they're giggling in the background. That's one of our kids giggling in the background. I may not have made these kids, but I will damn sure raise them because they are part of my life with Lady Parkview. And again, that ties in with my belief system as well. Again, y'all get to guess what it is, but with my beliefs, having kids doesn't make you a dad, raising them does. The way my dad raised me, his dad raised him, and I will raise these ones. So you get Lady Parkview a little shy, a little nervous because her on air debut, but you actually get to hear some of her thoughts. But as far as my final thought for this episode, just don't be like that fucking Pope, man. Find your path, stay on your path. Don't let nobody influence your path. Your path is your own. You have to own it. You have to do what you do. You just absolutely have to hold on to whatever it is that you do believe in to get through life. Because without a belief system in your life, you're basically just pissing against the wind for all of it. So, until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. This has been A Twist of Faith with Alex and Lady Parkview. Just wanted to reiterate one more time that this episode is fully dedicated to my sister, her memory, and the fact that her beliefs influenced mine so much, the way her light shone down like fucking a laser beam hitting a diamond and just refracting all of that brilliance. You were brilliant, you were beautiful, and you are deeply, deeply missed. I hope that wherever you are, you're able to hear this, letting the nerd flag fly and just proud of your little brother. Because I love you, and I always will. This one was for you, sis. Absolutely. I just, I don't even know, man, like, how much different would things be if you were still here? Would we have had that reconnection that we lost the initial connection when you went through what you went through? I will forever remember giving you that kiss on the forehead while you were in the hospital the day before you passed. That will haunt me until the day I leave this earth. I just, I, I find peace in knowing that you're with Dad. And that there is no more pain. I'll touch Christian Bible real quick. Revelation 21.4. Paraphrase. Uh, there shall be no more tears because all the old things are passed away. Once we're off the earthly plane, everything just supposedly becomes peaceful. Part of me really, really hopes that's true. I love you and I miss you. And I hope that I'm making you and Dad proud. <laughs>